you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Daniel chapter 8. And Glenn, I see you just stayed right up because you know we're about, to, we're about to stand up again, right? Yeah, you may have your paper Bible. Yeah, it didn't take you long to learn, did it? You, you may have your Bible on your phone. You may have your Bible on a tablet, however you have it, if you have it. Please open it to the book of Daniel chapter 8. If you do not have the word with you, then... Of course, as always, the scripture will be on the screen. Daniel writes these words in chapter 8, verse 12. The horn will fling truth to the ground and perform its own will. Now turn one chapter to the right, Daniel chapter 9, verse 13. Daniel writes once again, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us, yet we have not turned from our iniquity and given attention to your truth. You may be seated. The book of Daniel is a powerful biblical expose consisting of two sections, each section having six chapters. The first section tells us not only how to live in a world that rejects God, but how to live in that world in such a way that we actually make a positive impact on the culture that surrounds us. The second section shows us the calamity that occurs ultimately in a world that rejects God. To show us the source of that calamity, Daniel propels us forward to the last days of recorded time. Now, I am not telling you that the world is coming to an end today, tomorrow, or next year. I have never jumped on the bandwagon of those who attempt to postulate the precise moment of the parousia. However, I do believe that we are living in a culture that suffers from moral degeneration spiritual demise, and social chaos that fits well into Paul's picture of latter time attitudes and actions as described in his first letter to Timothy, chapter 4, and then in his letter to the church at Rome, chapter 1. Now what I want to do this morning is to focus on the chaotic culture in which we live. And I want to see if Daniel reveals anything about living in a chaotic culture. Well, the first thing Daniel shows us is the source of cultural chaos. He sums it up in one phrase found in chapter 8, verse 12. Truth is flung to the ground. Now consider for a moment the word translated truth. That word in the Hebrew language refers to that which is reliable and secure. That which can always be depended upon. That which is certain, unswerving, and unfailing. Now perhaps it will be helpful to add a modifier so that we might call it objective truth. Say those words with me. Objective truth. So what is objective truth? 
Objective truth is any principle, precept, idea, rule, or law that is in force regardless of what we believe or think about it. For example, gravity is an objective truth. Gravity is a rule, a law that is in force regardless of what we believe or what we think about it. You may not believe in gravity, but your unbelief does not negate its validity. So suppose you step off the side of a 100-story building. Will your unbelief exempt you from gravity's pull and prevent you from plunging a thousand feet to your death? The answer is no. Why? Because gravity as a law is always in force within our sphere of living. And it is in force regardless of what a person believes or thinks about it. Well, the Bible is like gravity. Daniel tells us that the truth of the Bible is to be viewed as objective. The Word of God brings to us principles, precepts, ideas, rules, and laws that are in force regardless of what we believe about them or what we think about them. Daniel certainly believed in objective truth. He employed that idea in verse 12 of chapter 8. The horn will fling truth to the ground. Now, what objective truth did Daniel have in mind? Well, we make that discovery in Daniel chapter 9, verse 13. He said, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us. Zero in on the phrase, the law of Moses. The law of Moses to which Daniel refers, I believe, is the preaching of Moses in Deuteronomy 27, 28, 29, and chapter 30, in which Moses set forth the bedrock truth that nations, all nations, are subject to the principle of blessing and cursing. If a nation honors God, that nation will prosper and be blessed. On the other hand, if a nation rejects God, then that nation will suffer. Now let me show you something. From Deuteronomy to Daniel, 830 years passed. And during those eight plus centuries, the principle of, the, of national blessing and cursing remained intact. In fact, Daniel, along with thousands of other Jewish teenagers, had been taken captive in 605 B.C. by the stormtroopers of the Babylonian Empire and transported to a foreign nation nearly a thousand miles to the east of Judah where these young men, including Daniel, lived out their lives in the middle of what is now modern-day Iraq. God had been saying to Judah for centuries, straighten up, come back to me, follow me. The, the national uh, principle of blessing and cursing is on you. Well, ultimately, the cursing side of that blessing fell on Judah. And the best and the brightest 
of Judeans were transported hundreds and hundreds of miles to another country, a country in which they did not speak the language, a nation that did not honor Jehovah God. But there's more. From the writing of Daniel to the century in which we live, nearly 2,600 additional years have lapsed. And the law of Moses remains in force today regardless of what we believe or think about it. The principle of national blessing and cursing remains intact. Now, I agree that the USA is the greatest nation on earth. I agree that the USA, the United States, has done more than any other nation in history to help other nations and the people the world over. Every time there is a disaster anywhere across the globe, who was there? Count on it, the United States of America. America is not perfect, to be sure. But I say unashamedly that I had rather live in America than any other place on earth. At the same time, I believe that we are living in a precarious time in which this nation could be toppled in a moment of time. Not from the outside, but from the inside. The objective truth as set forth by Moses 3,400 years ago and affirmed by Daniel 2,600 years ago has now fallen upon us. As Daniel transports us to the times of latter-day societies, he tells us that those societies will be characterized by chaos. A chaos created by the trampling down of truth. He tells us that this chaos will be brought about by cultural leaders who, as Daniel said, fling truth to the ground. Cultural leaders of latter time societies will mock, reject, and abhor the Word of God. Author Aleister Crowley said, One would go mad if one took the Bible seriously. But to take it seriously, one must be already mad. At this moment, there are those pushing for John Lennon's Imagine to become our new national anthem. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. Imagine there's no countries and no religion too. In his book, Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America, David Horowitz reveals how liberals and their radical allies envision a new millennium in which Christianity is utterly banished. Horowitz goes on to say in his book that the true plan of progressives is to substitute themselves for God that Congress has already removed every mention of God from the U.S. Capitol Visitor Center. He highlights the twisted logic behind the writings of evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins, whose book, The God Delusion, maintains that post-Darwinian scientific advances have rendered belief in God irrational and unnecessary. Though not a Christian, 
David Horowitz expresses the war or exposes the war against Christianity and actually names the global radicals, the leftist Democrats, and the darlings of Hollywood as well as Wall Street who are responsible for it. Now, it's not as if these efforts have just started uh, weeks ago. In an article appearing on the Newsmax website, Horowitz asked these questions. Which president decorated the White House Christmas tree with ornaments that included figures such as Mao Zedong and a drag queen? Which president excluded pro-life groups from attending a White House-sponsored health care summit? Which president, speaking at Georgetown University, ordered a monogram symbolizing Jesus' name be covered while he was delivering the speech? Which president made a practice of deliberately omitting the phrase about the Creator when quoting the Declaration of Independence? Which presidential administration announced that it would forgive student loans in exchange for public service, but that it would not forgive student loans if the public service was related to religion? Do you know the answer? The answer is President Barack Obama, who has been referred to as the most extreme left-wing figure to occupy the White House. As a result of his attacks on Christians, one conservative organization has given him the title of America's most biblically hostile president. Now, my goal is not to disparage political figures, but rather to help you see that cultural leaders of latter time societies are flinging truth to the ground. There's something else that Daniel wants us to see. Cultural leaders of latter time societies are replacing objective truth with an obsessive, overwhelming emphasis on the individual. Note Daniel chapter 8 verse 11. The horn magnified itself to be equal with the commander of the host. The horn is a reference to world forces that are anti-God. The commander of the host is a reference to the Lord God and those who follow Him. The idea is that of replacing God with self. That is, each individual thinks what each individual thinks and wants is paramount in consideration. In the latter times, the ego will become the driving force in society. And the problem is that the ego constructs its own truth. The individually constructed truth, then, is never to be challenged as invalid or unrealistic. And to make such a challenge is an act of intolerance, arrogance, and bigotry. The only objective truth today, at least in terms of cultural leaders, is the death of truth. Now, I want to show you how truth flung to the ground has reshaped our society. 
First, truth flung to the ground has cast doubt on the reliability of ancient literature. Now that may seem like a yawner to you, but I want you to hang in there and you're going to see its significance. See, we've always known that we can't believe everything we read. However, the death of truth says that we cannot understand what we read, at least not by attempting to discern what an author meant to communicate. The death of truth means that the ancient texts no longer have a particular specific meaning, but rather they mean whatever we craft them to mean. With the death of truth, the author no longer stands over the text as an authority because it is now said we can never know exactly what the author intended to say. Thus the reader becomes the center of meaning and authority over the text as it is shifted from the writer to the reader. Without objective truth, literature is not capable of sustaining or possessing a stable meaning. Indeed, an infinite number of interpretations are possible in each ensuing era. A text then means different things to different cultures, and no interpretation is better than any other. Now think what that means in terms of biblical interpretation. If I cannot, by means of grammatical historical analysis, enter into the experience and mind of the biblical writers, then I cannot possibly know the biblical writer's intention. And if I cannot know the writer's intention, then neither can I know his meaning. And if I cannot know his meaning, then I am left with a worthless piece of literature, or else I simply supply my own meaning, which can change with my changing whims. Now, how has this impacted us historically as a nation? Well, U.S. history is literally being rewritten right now in the 21st century. Because educators say we can no longer be sure of what really happened. Especially with the founding fathers who wrote the Constitution and the Declaration so long ago. But we are left with only what we think. Happened. Therefore, the Constitution is being shredded by judges who care nothing for what the framers of the Constitution intended. This means that judges are left with only what they intend or with what they desire. Chief Justice John Roberts has demonstrated this beautifully in decisions made by the Supreme Court lately. The Constitution is not setting forth the argument, but rather politics is setting forth the argument as well. So as a result, the right to abortion or the right to physician-assisted suicide or to, uh, to affirmative action can be found in the Constitution. This same attitude is now invading the church. A couple of weeks ago, I listened to an hour-long live stream production led by Ronnie Floyd, who is the current president and CEO of the Southern Baptist Executive Committee. The topic of discussion centered on what is now referred to as social 
justice. In that presentation, one of the five pastors who spoke said this, What we need are not black pastors who preach white theology. What we need are black pastors who preach black theology. So I'm sitting here listening to that. I come away after listening to it for an hour. And I'm I'm thinking about those comments, and I'm trying to absorb those comments. And so I said to myself, so John 3.16 now means one thing for black America and another thing for white America. It is no longer justice for all, but one kind of justice for one particular group and another kind of justice for another particular group. It is no longer one humanity created in the image of God, but multiple groups of splintered, disconnected humans without common good, without common goals, and without common interest. First, truth flung to the ground, has cast doubt on the reliability of ancient literature. Second, truth flung to the ground has reversed advancements of the public educational system. Education, uh, educational uh, people in the educational system no longer view themselves as transmitters of mathematical, grammatical, historical, scientific, or occupational realities. Educators no longer enter the classroom to test or to evaluate. They are no longer present to teach right or wrong. Educators are no longer seen as a training force to help students advance in the world. But rather, they have become a therapeutic force whose primary focus is to raise the self-esteem of their students. Someone said just the other day, it seems that the generation of whip my tail has done a lot better job than the generation of time out. Now, I don't know what that means to you. I know what it means to me. Consequently, our public school system is turning out incompetent students, but at least they feel good about their incompetency. Yes, you can laugh. We threw a little joke in there. One well-known study assessed students from various countries in at least two areas. Number one, the student's estimation of their own competence in math as compared to, number two, their actual competence in math. Listen to this. American students ranked first in their assessment of their own competence, but last in actual competence. Conversely, Korean students ranked last in their assessment of their own competence in math, but ranked first in actual competence. Third, truth flung to the ground has rendered psychotherapy helpless in producing positive life changes. In the field of secular psychotherapy, Truth is now regarded as plural and relative rather than singular and absolute. Each individual's reality is treated as valid and deserving of equal affirmation with all other kinds of realities. Apart from one's culture, 
Concepts of mental health and mental illness are erroneous terms. Therefore, there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. And there's nothing right with monogamy. Because right and wrong are nothing more than cultural constructions rather than statements of truth. The goal of the psychotherapist is no longer to correct the thinking of the patient, but to accept the thinking of the patient. Counselors who seek to change the thinking of and or behavior of their clients are considered to be exploitive and imperialistic. The American Psychological Association has been largely successful in curbing or stopping the use of reparative therapy in America, a treatment that helps homosexuals who desire to change their behavior. Even if, you, even if they want help, the APA doesn't want anyone to have it. Despite the studies showing that homosexuals not only can change their behavior, but they can even change their thinking. The APA is not interested in objective truth, but only in truth as they have constructed it. Fourth, truth flung to the ground has crippled our legal system in administering unbiased law. Traditional legal theory holds that laws are based on natural and universal truths. That is, laws are determined through nature, reason, and social experience. Traditional legal theory holds that men and women are constrained by fair and impartial rules rather than rules being employed as devices of power that can be changed at will. Traditional legal theory says it is possible to create a legal system where law is separate from politics, where neutral principles of law provide correct legal solutions, and where disinterested judges apply those solutions fairly. Traditional legal theory says that law is objective. It is based in reality. Traditional legal theory says that law is determinate. That is, it yields a distinct set of answers that can be understood. Traditional legal theory says that law is neutral. That is, it does not favor some citizens or some groups over other citizens or groups. However, the law, the idea of law, has now moved away from an objective basis for decision making and away from reality that can be grasped to a reality that is constructed as you go. The foundation of law is now the distribution of power among social groups as opposed to universal truth that is applicable to all regardless of skin color or grouping. Feminists teach that men have created laws for men, thus women must fight for laws and change the laws. African Americans are taught that whites created the law for whites. Thus blacks must ignore the law of the land and live by self-conceived law. Homosexuals and transgenders are taught that homosexuals have created the law for heterosexuals. Thus homosexuals and transgenders can find no relief within the law. The poor are taught that the rich have created the law for the rich. Thus the poor can find no justice. And you put all of these groups together and it is referred to as intersectionality. And intersectionality has produced 
a huge, colossal co-op of grievance in this nation. Consequently, America is experiencing race warfare, gender warfare, sexual warfare, and class warfare, and any other warfare you want to talk about. As a result, our nation is more divided than ever. Our country has become multi-splintered groups of people no longer interested in justice but in power. While our judicial system is viewed by most with great suspicion, at the same time it is also utilized as the primary instrument for one group to achieve its political end over another group. Question. Why are sexual crimes commonplace today? Answer. Truth has been flung to the ground. Question. Why is corrupt, scandalous behavior tolerated in political leaders today? Answer, truth has been flung to the ground. Question, why are there those who see the Bible as hate-filled and objectionable? Answer, truth has been flung, flung to the ground. Question, why can you no longer feel good about your children walking the streets of Pinellas County in the daytime, much less in the nighttime? Answer, truth has been flung to the ground. Question, why is our nation in such peril today? Answer, truth has been flung to the ground. In John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now what does that mean? It means that freedom follows on the heels of truth. It means that when truth is flung to the ground, freedom is eventually flung to the ground. It is no accident that the Declaration of Independence proclaims that our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are endowed by our Creator and based upon self-evident truths. Our national pledge says one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. You take away truth, and you take away God. You take away God, and you take away liberty and justice for all. Now, what, what can we do? First, pray. Prayer is not all that can be done. But without prayer, nothing else matters. Pray for our president. Pray for our local and state leaders. Pray for your community. Pray that America in general will wake up to what is happening to this nation with truth flung to the ground. Pray, 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 pray. I talk to many people who say it's just a lost cause. It is inevitable. It will take a miracle. And yes, it will. But miracles usually begin when men and women pray. Pray every day 
for revival and renewal to come to America. Pray, pray, pray. And we're going to begin doing some of exactly what we're talking about now, praying for national repentance and national renewal. So just hold on, it's coming. Second, stand for objective truth. And live out that truth. This is exactly what Daniel said in our text verses moments ago. Now if you stand for truth and if you live out that truth, you know what you're going to be called? You're going to be called intolerant. You're going to be called bigoted. You're going to be called homophobic. And you're going to be called whatever else in the book they can, someone can call you, but stand for truth. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Truth is America's last bastion against tyranny. Leaders in China hate the church and hate the Bible because truth is the last bastion against tyranny. Leaders in Cuba hate the church and they hate the Bible. Leaders in Iraq and Iran and Syria hate the church and they hate the Bible because they know that truth is the last bastion against tyranny. When these despots come to power, the first thing on their list is to take away the weapons of the people and the second thing on their list is to imprison or kill the pastors and the third thing on their list is to burn the Bibles. Because truth is the last bastion against tyranny. You take away the Bible. You take away the church. And tyranny comes knocking on the door. Third, utilize social media. This morning, Donna said to me, I'm I'm going to check off Facebook for a while. I said, why? She said, because it's just nothing but trash, nothing but garbage. Garbage this, garbage that. Hate this, hate that. But what if we took the opportunity on that same media space and proclaimed the truth? What if we spoke up for truth? What if we spoke up for righteousness? This past week, a very good friend of mine from Brunswick, Georgia, posted one of the most powerful uh, exposés on freedom that I have ever seen. It was passionate. It was fiery. It was to the point. I loved it. And everybody in America needs to read that. One of the things I can do is when I finish reading that, hit what? Share. Put up whatever you want. Well, what if they take it down? Well, just pray that God's going to get it out there to a lot of people before somebody takes it down. Listen, I put up stuff on Facebook, and and, uh, the uh, editors of Facebook have have posted along with that, uh, proceed with caution on this post. They didn't take it down, but they said proceed with caution. Do you see what an opportunity we have? Facebook, YouTube, 
Instagram, chit-chat, it, it, what, what is it? Snapchat, whatever it is. Snip-snap, I mean, I don't know. But use it for the glory of God. Never, never fail to see that we had the opportunity to have a voice in this nation today like never before. Utilize social media. Some use it for hate. We can use it for truth. And don't ever fail or grow weary of proclaiming the truth. Now here, here's one last thing. We can elect leaders who will be guided by the truth. Well, good luck on finding those people. Elect leaders who will be guided by the truth and demand that they maintain the standard of truth. If you're asking me, the time for professional politicians and lifetime politicians has long passed us by. Two terms and you're out. Two terms and you go back home to your business, you go back home to whatever it was you were doing, and you do not get a lifetime uh, full compensation in retirement. You get whatever money you put away in retirement during your years there, and you go home. It's difficult to find men and women who will stand for truth. Now, i got to tell you something. There are a lot of people who don't care for our president. I remind them that I voted for him, but I did not vote for him to be my pastor. I voted for him to be my president and to stand for truth, and that is exactly what he stands for. Do you understand that? He is doing everything he can to drain what has become the swamp that has flung truth to the ground. And it is high time for men and women who love truth and who love God and who love freedom to rise up and let their voices be heard. We can no longer depend on our neighbor. We can no longer depend on this person or that person or some other institution. So we are going to have to do it ourselves and then demand that they maintain that standard of truth. Do you not understand that what we have just read in Daniel is speaking to any and every nation that has ever been in existence or will be in existence, and that includes us. And because we have allowed truth to be flung to the ground in our educational institutions, in our halls of government, you name it, our society is suffering. Can it come back? I think it can. I think it can, but it will not if we, as children of God, do not pray. And if we, 
as children of God do not stand for truth and live out that truth, if we as children of God do not utilize the media tools now in our possession, if we as children of God do not demand better from our leaders, it won't happen. It's not just up to Connell. It's up to all of us. Connell has a very small voice in this nation, in this community. But with all of our voices put together, just maybe we can make a difference. And if you want uh, the names of some social media that will help you understand these things, I'll give them to you. I'll give them to you privately. People who are unafraid to speak the truth, no matter what they're called. It's time for us to do something. It's time for us to be informed. And it's time for us to inform the people around us. It falls to us. Now what are we going to do? Let's pray. Father, this is your moment. It's your time. I believe in what has been proclaimed today because it is based on objective truth. I believe that in America, as much as we have been blessed, and we have been blessed, we are now suffering the pangs of flinging truth to the ground. And our nation is wobbling. Encourage us, inspire us to move forward as instruments in your hand of the truth. And to stand for that truth and to carry that truth unashamedly into the world in which we live. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.